0: Astro. Astro. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Devo Say So Podcast. Here we talk about the latest sports topics and events, and we are back today with some NFL. Week three is upon us. We just finished off with the 49ers and Giants last night with the 49ers taking a dub 30 to 12. Brock Purdy was amazing as usual. He's been amazing ever since he stepped foot in that 49ers locker room as has been planned. And I just wanna know, before we get everything really started for where I wanna talk about, when are we gonna admit that Brock Purdy is just good? I see a lot of people making excuses. Oh, well, they got Christian McCaffrey. Oh, well, anybody, any quarterback does well in the Kyle Shanahan system. Oh, well, it's no pressure on him. Oh, well, he doesn't have to do too much. All I've seen this guy do is win games and play well. And this year... We've seen a little bit more of him controlling the offense. we see him making the big throws. We see him showing his mobility outside of the pocket. Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. Am I saying he's top 10? No. I would probably put him in that top 15, 18 range, but every game he's moving up. He's moving up. And I recognized it last year, like, yo, he might be skillful-wise – The best quarterback the 49ers have seen in that quarterback room since Kyle Shanahan has been there. And I know a lot of people don't want to admit it because he's the undrafted guy, and you know, but listen, Brock Purdy is winning games for the 49ers right now. He's winning games. He's making throws that Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance clearly couldn't make, and he's giving the 49ers another element to their offense which is the ability to move the ball downfield consistently now last night he had a couple balls that probably should have been picked off you know but he's young he's young but he also had some really great throws down the field he had a nice touchdown to to Debo Samuel had another nice pass to Ronnie Bell who was the rookie draft pick out of Michigan and then he had a couple balls to Kittle that were nice too Brock Purdy is a good quarterback no it is not a fluke. At this point, Brock Purdy has played every game he's been in. He's won. And he's played well. He's yet to have a bad game. And I know a lot of people say, oh, well, against the Cowboys, you know, against the Cowboys, he, was, he, he wasn't great. He was okay. But he made winning plays in that game also. When are we going to admit Brock Purdy is good? I'm ready to admit it now. Because if he takes his team to the Super Bowl, he has to enter the top 10 discussion because somebody's going to have to bump off. And speaking of quarterbacks bumping off the top 10 list, we got the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this is really what I want to get into. Cowboys have started the season off on a phenomenal note, you know, beating teams in great fashion. The defense looks well. Offense looks okay. But I just got to say something. And before... I get into my analysis on his team. I have a message for all the Cowboys fans. All Cowboys fans are pathetic. They're all pathetic. They st- It is a repeat cycle for Cowboys fans and their heights and hopes every single season. You come into the season talking about Super Bowl when you haven't even been to a championship game in 26 or 27 years. You win two games against two mediocre teams and think you should be the favorite and think that you are doing something. I'm not giving you credit for beating the Giants. The Giants are a bad team, in my opinion. I've never been the greatest Daniel Jones fan. And we all know before the season started, I told you, I didn't think the Giants were going to be too good, anyways. I think they're a team that is ahead of schedule as far as rebuilding. But I don't think the Giants are a good team. They have a decent defense. But that didn't really impress me because it's against Daniel Jones. And mind you, they were just down 28-0 or 21-0 to to an Arizona Cardinals team who's not even trying to win with Joshua Dobbs. They're not even trying to win. They have Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. So, no, I'm not giving you credit for that. And I'm dang sure not giving you credit for beating the New York Jets without Rodgers, whose quarterback is Zach Wilson. So you telling me, you as a Cowboys fan, sitting listening to this right now, you are really trying to convince people that y'all should be the favorites when y'all first two quarterbacks y'all beaten are Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones. You can get somewhere with that. We're not going for that. Listen. Listen. Daniel Jones is at least Daniel Jones is decent Zach Wilson is an atrocity I mean he, he he's not good at football the only thing Zach Wilson that I know for a fact is good at is attracting Cougars outside of that below average football player let's just keep it real so I'm not giving you credit for that the fact of the matter is the Cowboys offense which everybody's raving about oh we beat the Giants 40 to nothing and we beat New York 30 to 10 beating teams by 20-plus. How many of those points have came from the offense? Dak Prescott has only thrown two touchdowns. The Cowboys have a combined 70 points in the first two games of the season, and Dak only has two of them. So we see, clearly, the same problems have followed. Dominant defense, Mediocre offense because of the quarterback who's throwing the football. I have yet to see once this season Dak throw the ball towards the sticks and make a completion. I haven't seen it yet. It's clear they're trying to they're trying to baby deck. They're trying to protect Dak and they've came up with this illusion that oh we're gonna be a, a run first team with Tony Pollard as our running back. You know how many times Cowboys fans and other people have tried to convince me that Tony Pollard could actually be a number one running back option? All I hear is, oh, his efficiency. He didn't carry the ball that much last year because Zeke was the number one guy, so he wasn't carrying the ball like that. And yes, he had a good year over 1,000 yards, but he wasn't touching the ball that much. The thing about running back is the guys who are number one take on the workload consistently Throughout the majority of the season, Tony Pollard has been a number two guy for all we've known it. Now he's a number one and people are trying to hype him up like he's LaDainian Tomlinson. Yes, he's efficient. Last game, he had, I believe, 25 carries for 70 yards. Christian McCaffrey had the same amount of carries last week against the Rams and got 116. He had 18 carries last last night and had 75 yards. Like, these are number one guys. Tony Pollard is not that. And another thing, the Cowboys have tried to manipulate the fans, and, and well, they haven't really said it, but we all know what it is if you watch the game. They're trying to be a run-first team and not overthrow the ball with Dak. My thing is this, which I've said on here before. How are you going to become a run-first team when your best offensive weapon is a wide receiver? You brought in Brandon Cook to give you the deep threat and you're going to become a run-first team? It's the same thing with the Atlanta Falcons, my favorite team, what they're doing. I understand, yes, we have B. John Robinson, who I believe is already a top-five running back in the NFL, but they're trying, again, to... Be a run-first team when you have Kyle Pitts and Drake London. If you're a go- if you if you're making the identity of your team run the ball, why would you draft two premier passing options, receiving options? It's the same thing with the Cowboys. You don't think Ceedee Lamb is gonna feel some type of way that he's not getting his touches? You don't think Dak, who's making thirty million a year, sixty million next year? Is going to feel some type of way that he's not allowed to throw the ball 35 to 40 times like every other quarterback with his pay grade does. And so, I understand and I get why the Cowboys are trying to switch it up. My thing is, it's not going to work anyway because your, your problems are still going to be the same from last season. Everybody's talking about, oh, 40 to nothing against the Giants. Thirty to ten against uh, New York Jets, which I honestly, the thirty to ten honestly will be more impressive than the forty to nothing, just cause the New York Jets have a way better defense than the Giants. The defense is actually good, but you only scored two touchdowns in the first two games of the season, and you've had a combined seventy points. That's not impressive to me. It's not impressive. Dak hasn't moved the ball downfield with his arm yet. So as far as are the Cowboys number one in the NFC? No, they're not. They're not number one. Because I look at the 49ers, even though they haven't beaten teams with the marginal victory as the Cowboys have, they won their first two games on the road against the Steelers with a good defense, against a Rams team who has been overachieving so far this season, who's going to be good with the great offense. And they're just overall better. They have they're better at position skills. To me right now at this moment, they have a better quarterback, they have better quarterback play. Like everything the 49ers do outside of defense is better than Dallas Cowboys. Now, obviously using losing Trayvon Diggs for the rest of the season is a huge blow. And I've said before that I think the Cowboys have the best, you know, defense in the NFL this season. With him being out, I don't know what that's going to look like. Now, if they slip, now you look at it, them in the 49ers and say, well, the 49ers are better at everything than the Cowboys. And it's it's a big, it's, it's a big loss for the Cowboys. But the backup did lead the team in interceptions this past season. So, obviously, you're not going to have that big playmaking ability with Trayvon. You know, the whole, the whole uh, ideal situation coming in this year after bringing in Stephon Gilmore was basically we got two number one cornerbacks quarterback, that can take away your one or two best options, which was perfect considering that you're going to have to go through the 49ers who have Debo and Brandon Ayu, and the Philadelphia Eagles who have Devontae and A.J. Brown. So it was perfect for them. And now that he's going to be out for the season, it's a big blow. I don't think it's the end of the road. I do think this defense can still be dominant because they have the best player on the defensive side of the football in the entire NFL, which is Michael Parsons. So... I think the Cowboys will be fine defensively. They're not gonna. I don't think you know people was talking about. Oh, they could be historic. I don't think they'll be that now. I didn't think there was gonna be that to begin with, but I think they'll be just okay. They'll be. They'll still be a good defensive team, but now that you've played the car, uh, you've played the Giants, who are a bad team, and you played the Jets. This week, they play Arizona. Again, a team that's not trying to win. But after this week, the schedule gets tough. After the Cardinals, you go to the 49ers, which is the game everybody wants to see. And this is what I've always said about the Cowboys I don't care what you do in the regular season outside when you play the 49ers and the Eagles. I don't care because it doesn't matter to me. Because at the end of the day, we don't like, there is no rebuttal and no question. The Cowboys have been a great regular season team the last three seasons. They've won 12 games the last three seasons. So we know they're a good team. We know they can win games. They've won games all the time from September to December. But can't win in January. They have yet to win and show us that there are a good team in January. And that is all I care about. I don't care about beating the Giants and beating the Jets with Zach Wilson at quarterback. Show me that in the playoffs. Now, again, outside when you play the 49ers and the Eagles, obviously you have my interests. But I don't care about anybody else. But... This next stretch that they have coming up, they do play a lot of good teams, and it will be a good test for them. Obviously, they play some boo-boo this week with the Cardinals. After that, it's the 49ers, and that's at the 49ers. After the 49ers, you go to the Chargers, who even though are 0-2 at this moment, they'll most likely get a dub this weekend. And they're one of the best offenses in the NFL. They put up points. They put up a combined, I think, they put up a combined 77 points too. They just have lost because their defense hasn't performed well, which is kind of ironic because Brandon Staley is supposed to be a defensive head coach. He has talent on that end of the field and yet still can't produce a great defense. But you see Joe Burrow. I mean, not Joe Burrow, excuse me, uh, Justin Herbert. Then you got the Rams who've impressed people so far with their offense. And then it's the Eagles. So these next three or four games, we're really going to see the Cowboys against some good competition. And we'll base everything off of that because I'm sorry, I don't care about beating the Giants and the Jets. Both of those teams are not good to me. All right. At the end of the day, you're going to have to see a team like the 49ers. You're going to have to see the Eagles and you play them soon. Let's see how that goes. Now, again, as far as NFC rankings, I have the 49ers one right now at this moment. 49ers one, Eagles two, Cowboys three. That's what it is. That's what it's always been. And I think that's what it's always going to be as long as, you know, these three teams are playing well. Moving on. Man, this year so far has really been riddled with big time injuries. We started off the year with Aaron Rodgers going out with the Achilles. Obviously, Trayvon Diggs just tore his knee yesterday at practice. And this whole Joe Burrow situation is very interesting. Joe Burrow has had a interesting offseason to begin with. You know, he kinda got his extension kinda late than what he was supposed to. I think you know, the Eagles, I mean, uh, Cincinnati was trying to wait on the Chargers and see what they were going to do with Justin Herbert, how much he was going to get, and then kind of revisit with Burrow to kind of align his with Justin's. But nonetheless, got his contract, highest played player in NFL history, as every quarterback in every offseason is. And then he, before that, he has a calf injury. And it's been re-aggravated in the game this past Sunday with the Baltimore Ravens. If I'm the Bengals, I'm shutting down Joe Burrow for the rest of the season. I know some people said, yo, he might be out for four games. No. We're shutting you down for the rest of the season. We're shutting you down for the rest of the season because we don't want to risk you having another just career-threatening injury. Because remember, his first year, he missed the, he, he got the, I think he tore his ACL or MCL or whatever it was. He had a knee injury in his first season as a quarterback, his rookie season, which as a result had to miss the rest of the season. So this is a guy in Joe Burrow who's not been the, you know, most health, the most dependent player as far as health. And now he's being threatened with another injury, which is Achilles. Now, obviously, you know, the concern we have with Rodgers is him being able to come back from the Achilles at 40 years old is going to be tougher. Obviously, Joe Burrow, who doesn't have an Achilles, but the chances of him coming back and still being the same player are very high since he's still young. Nonetheless, you want to avoid that at all costs. You just paid him, made him the highest paid player in NFL history. But the Bengals championship window is closing. And I don't think it's worth playing Joe Burrow and risking him getting hurt to sacrifice your championship window that's already closing. You got to think about it. T Higgins. The The Bengals already told T Higgins, we're not paying you. We're not paying you. So he's going to go into free agency next year and he won't be there. And if. They're not going to pay T. Higgins. Are we 100% sure they're going to pay Chase? Now, obviously, Chase is the better receiver, so you'd think so. But Chase would also require more money since he is the better receiver. So if you don't want to pay T. Higgins, who is to say you're going to pay Jamar Chase? And Joe Burrow has benefited from the NFL and in college. From having two great wide receivers. And if we're going into a world where Joe Burrow is not going to have that, I don't know what he's going to look like. Especially if he's banged up. And the championship window is closing. You look at the division. You see Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. They've come together. They've got him some weapons. The defense looks... Still pretty good this year, even without Marlon Humphrey. And they look like they can compete for a Super Bowl this year. Even looking at the Browns, I know Deshaun Watson doesn't look the best right now. And I still believe and hope that he can have something from when he was with the Texans. Because it's not looking great right now. But I believe they'll still be a force to reckon with. Obviously, Kenny Pickett is young in Pittsburgh. But they still have a great defense. They have great skillful uh, position position Players as well. I think if you're the Bengals, you have to capitalize on this opportunity. But I don't also think it's it's worth risking Joe Burrow's health because I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, we'll, we'll just he'll miss the next two games and he'll be back." We don't even know if they're gonna win the next two games. They're already zero two, and he doesn't look great. Like I would, I would, I, I would consider it. If Joe Burrow looked good, but he doesn't. Even in his, it's clear the injury is bothering him. He can't throw the ball with the same, you know, push from his legs. Obviously, he can't scramble in the pocket. He can't move around, and so it's affecting him. So their next couple of games, they have the Rams obviously this weekend. That's a possible dub. Then you got the Titans, who. Are a sleeper team, but I don't know if they can beat the Titans without Joe Burrow. I don't even know if they can beat the Rams without Joe Burrow. Obviously, the Cardinals is a dub. They're not trying to win games. But after that, you got Seattle, the 49ers, and you got the Bills. So at the and in my opinion, how many games is this? One, two, three, four, five, six. At the most, you can go two and four. During this stretch, but that's gonna put you at two and six. At that point, the season is over. It's over. You're already last in your division. It's over. So, if I'm the Bengals, I'm I'm shutting down Joe Burrow. Heal up the calf as healthy as possible, because again, unless one of y'all can tell me, I've never seen an instance where a player got hurt early in the season and came back and the injury began to heal during the season. He's going to, if since he has the injury now, he's going to have this injury and it's going to be nagging him for the rest of the season. So just shut him down, let him heal up, rehab, and come back the next season 100%. Joe Burrow at 100% is still a top three quarterback. He is. Right now, he's playing like a bottom five QB. And it's clear the injury is is bothering him. And if if I'm Bengals, we just paid you, made you the highest paid player of all time. Or at least in NFL history. We can't risk you having another injury that is high in seriousness after we just paid you. We can't have that we have at least one more year with chase. T Higgins is clearly going to be out the door this year. We got a year to capitalize on that. But if they don't capitalize on a championship in the next year or two, I believe this window is done. It's done. I don't think they'll ever be, I don't think they'll ever beat the Kansas City Chiefs anymore. And I don't think they'll beat the Ravens. And you have a lot of teams on the horizon like Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence that's coming to the horizon and looking to, you know, make some noise this season. So it's going to be tough for the Cincinnati Bengals. But if I'm Cincinnati, listen, we're shutting down Joe Burrow for the rest of the season. He'll come back next year healthy and we'll see what we can do. Moving on again. You know, I've never, I've never liked when players or coaches in the media call out each other, like coaches calling out their players in the media, coaches or or players calling out other players in the media that are like teammates, obviously teammates of each other calling each other out and basically showing guys up. You know, one of the things about, you know, obviously we all know Luke, LeBron is my favorite player and whatnot. One of the things I've always appreciated about him is no matter how bad his team was, you never saw him show up his teammates in press conferences, and interviews. I mean, let's face it. Last year, he was playing with Russell Westbrook, and it clearly wasn't working. He was playing horrible. But not once did you see LeBron talk down about Russ ever. And he even addressed it at times, like, I see that y'all are trying to get me to say something about Russ. I'm not going to do it. Russ is a great teammate, and I love him. I've always admired that about LeBron because, you know, it's clash. You never want to show up, especially grown men. You never want to show up your teammates ever. In this situation with Justin Fields, you know, him... Alluding to the coaching as to why he may be struggling or being robotic. And at first, when I heard it, like when I say heard it, when I first, you know, saw it on a notification or whatnot, what he said or his actual, when I read his actual quote, I thought to myself, this is bad. This is immature, immature. You know, if you're Justin Fields, this is just horrible. You, it, it seems like he's deflecting the blame on other people instead of taking a, accountability for himself and for the mistakes that he's making. But then I went back and actually watched the video, and honestly, it's not that bad to me because, you know, his 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 manner and when he was answering the question, it wasn't like he was you know, actually saying, oh, the reason why I'm not doing well is because of coaching. I think what he was alluding to is him having obviously the, the phone booth in his ear, or at least the, you know, the microphone that allows him to talk to the sidelines and whatnot. When coaches are constantly putting in your head like, yo, we're calling this play such and such and such, look for this guy. Every single play, look for this guy, look for that guy, look for that guy. As a quarterback, when that becomes your focus, you don't scan the field properly. And obviously, we've all seen, well, I don't know about everybody, but most of us have seen the video that's been going viral against the Bucks last week where he has a guy wide open on the sideline for a touchdown and he doesn't see him. And maybe that's because you have coaches in his ear Premedicating guys who's going to be open before the play even is called, and as a result, he's not even folk. He's not even scanning the field properly, and so when he says it could be coaching, number one, he, he never completely put the blame on coaching. He said it could be, didn't say it was. He said it could be. Number one, number two, I don't think that's an, an indictment on the offensive coordinator saying. Blatantly, you're the reason why. I just think he's alluding to that tactic. That specific tactic of we call to play and I tell you who might be open. That tactic is messing with him and could be the reason why he feels robotic and not himself. I don't think it was a shot at the offensive coordinator because, listen. We've seen guys call out OCs and, 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 and whatnot in, in blatant ways and and so I don't think that was just him, you know, kind of putting fire and saying like oh, the it's his fault or, or whatnot. And then obviously afterwards he came out, I believe yesterday or the day before that in the press and said, Look, my words were taken out of context, you know, I obviously take responsibility for how we started and I need to play better. Um I feel like that was a little extreme. I don't feel like he necessarily had to do that. But, I mean, I understood it. You know, a bad rap has been made about him saying that he's deflecting blame and blaming the coach, And which he, has, he does have to take accountability because he hasn't been playing well this season. And I know a lot of people came in saying, oh, Justin Fields could be the MVP. I never really bought into that. But I do think he's in a situation in Chicago where – they're not utilizing him to the best of his abilities. It kind of reminds me of RG three with the Wash, with the uh, Washington Commanders, or who were called the Redskins back in the day, where they tried to make RG three a pocket passer because they thought it would prevent injuries. When in all, it didn't, because he ended up getting hurt in the pocket. Number two, his best attribute was a runner. People forget RG three was. Offensive Rookie of the Year. He had 4,000 all-purpose yards with 26 touchdowns. Like he was well on his way to becoming one of the best stars in the NFL. And the 49ers, I mean, excuse me, the Washington Commanders just handled him in a in a weird way to where his career took a different path. And you look at what Chicago was doing. with Fields, I have yet to see Fields really, you know, take off with the run game yet this season. And I understand, yes, we, he, he's at the end of the day, he is a quarterback. He needs to get better in the pocket. But there's no way you could just take his strength away and expect him to get better. You look at the situation with Lamar in Baltimore. You bring in the offensive coordinator from Georgia who won back-to-back national championships. And he came out and said, yo, it's going to look different. We're going to do a lot more pocket passing. But you still see the draws. You still see the QB runs. That's not completely out the playbook. And Lamar looks better as a passer. Because you mix with the mixture of the threat of him running and passing. is still going to keep the defense on heels. And the Chicago Bears are not doing a good job of that with Justin Fields. Who has a case for being the best running quarterback in the NFL. So... I do think that they're utilizing him wrong. I do think Fields needs to play better because he's been dog water this year. I believe he has a QBR of like, I have to read this. When I saw his QBR, I was I was befuddled. I couldn't believe his QBR. And I have it right here. Yeah, he has a QBR right now of 22.2 with a 60 per, 60% completion percentage. That's terrible. That's terrible. And I, and I rock with Justin Fields. And I hope he does well. But this is unacceptable. Two touchdowns and three turnovers. I mean, his QBR is the worst in the NFL right now. I mean, it's, it's no way you can't. It's, it, it, we talked about Joe Burrow playing like a bottom five quarterback. He's playing like a bottom five quarterback right now. And so, yes, Justin Fields needs to take accountability. He's playing well. But I do think, I don't think it's a... Uh, just, for lack of better words, wrong for him to, you know, put a little, I wouldn't say put a little blame, but at least shed a little light, like, yo, maybe the reason why I feel robotic is because of the coaching. And it's not to put blame and say the coach is the reason why, but the certain tactics of the coach. Because I do think that Fields, you know, likes the oc they have i mean there was in practice basically being buddy buddy and hugging and out so i do think fields likes the coach that he has i just don't think he likes guys in his ear not letting him be free not letting him you know be fields and you know there's a way around that. and i think that it's fair for him i don't think he should catch any flat for you know acknowledging like yo I don't like the way I'm I'm being coached right now, and it's nothing against the coaches. I just don't like what's going on and how people are trying to tell me what to do and who to look for. I just want to be free, and I mean, he said it, you know, he's claimed, you know, this week he's going to be free against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm interested to see that. I want to see Fields let loose. I want to see him really... You know, tap in. Because it's not too late. It's, it's not too late for the Bears. And it's not too late for Fields. I know everybody thinks, oh, Fields is a bust. And the Chicago Bears did it again, whiffing on another quarterback. It's not over. It's not over. This guy is only in year three. It's two games into the season. That was on y'all for coming in expecting he was going to be MVP. You never should have believed that from a jump. I still think Justin Fields can be a great NFL quarterback. And We'll see. And this week he has to show up And I know it's against the Kansas City Chiefs Who have a really good defense this year But he has to play well He has to play well And we'll see what happens with that That is going to do it For today's episode Of today's will Say So podcast Appreciate everybody for tuning in Listening up We will be back again Sooner than later And we'll see you then Peace out